We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Today, our special guest is Shaquille Barmal. He's a seasoned leader, professional speaker, leadership coach at Ocean Blue Strategic, and host of the Navigating Disruption podcast. His 27 years of leadership, consulting, and sales experience span multiple industries, including financial services, aerospace, automotive, energy, healthcare, internet, telecom, and transportation. What I appreciate most about you, Shaquille, is your generous interest in supporting people on the journey of growth and generosity. Welcome to ROG. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Shannon, for having me. Uh, Really, really excited about this conversation. Me too. I can't wait to learn more about you. So let's just start with some of your background. Tell us a little bit about you. Wow. Um, So this is, you have to kind of hold me to account here. I can go on and on because I've spent a lot of time uh, studying my past and drawing, drawing from my past to learn lessons in my present, but I'll keep it as simple as I can. Um, A big part of my identity uh, is the fact that I was born in East Africa born in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. And although I came here at a very young age, that immigrant experience and the curiosity that I had both about where I came from and experiencing Canada where I grew up is a big part of who I am. Uh, and then I you know, grew up in the West Coast of Canada and in Burnaby and had a great childhood, great experiences, worked with the family business. My dad Owned a, owned a gas station, and I kind of cut my teeth in human, inter, human relationships and watching people and resolving conflict, all while working summers and watching him work and running his business from childhood onwards. Uh, so that's a big part of my identity. Uh, and then, you know, I studied business, uh, you know, went to university, undergrad, graduate business on both fronts. And then I had a, a good corporate career uh, in management, in retail, in uh, various industries. You've listed some of them. And then I took a step away from one of my corporate leadership roles. And I did a bit of soul searching and I did a bit of, um, you know, we do these assessments and really landed on this uh awakening that I was meant to be a teacher, mentor, coach type person. And when I discovered that, it's, you know, you talk to entrepreneurs sometimes and they say, you ask them, why did you start this business? And they say, once I had the idea, I just had to do it. Like I could not go on without executing. So once I realized that I was meant to be a teacher, mentor, coach, like everything in me pushed me in that direction. Even when I later on did some leadership roles, after that realization, in those leadership roles, I gravitated towards teacher, mentor, coach type activity. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And for us to know that your roots started in entrepreneurialism with your family business and the way that you were always an observer of human behavior and you know what makes people tick. And I think that that transcends into a lot of what I've had the chance to see you doing. It's in your bones. You've got to do it. So what are some of the experiences that you've had with generosity at work? 
Oh, wow. Uh, that's a big, big question. And there's so many experiences that I've had, both generosity given to me and me witnessing generosity. But you asked me the question about my 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 past and, and who I am. I didn't expect to talk about, you know, the experience of my dad's gas station. But when I, I described that, it triggered for me that probably my first experience of professional generosity was probably in the days pumping gas at my dad's gas station. And I think that's the greatest gift. And that's my first recollection of generosity in the workplace is, is giving people that space. For sure. I think that's so important to go back to your roots and look for some patterns or ways of understanding yourself. And then, like you said, it wasn't as wonderful in the moment. It was something that you did because you probably had to. Uh, but you know, the, the lessons learned is really profound. So as an executive in corporate America, what are some ways that you have witnessed generosity, participated in it, been the beneficiary of it? Yeah. So let me draw most recently. Um, most recently, before I, I became a full-time executive coach again, I was chief operating officer at uh, a nonprofit organization. The way I landed in that that role was as an executive, uh, executive in for-profit, I ended up developing capacity for Salesforce effectiveness, improving the the effectiveness of Salesforce. And that turned into a nice little consulting business. And so I volunteered to this nonprofit organization to help them strengthen their own volunteer capacity to do fundraising and recruitment using kind of my sales background. And when I was opened up this world of these other executives, these other volunteers that were professional and they were giving of their time to improve the success of this nonprofit that was focused on improving the quality of life of people in very difficult parts of the world. That was my first witness that, you know, I could take my skill set, my professional corporate skill set, and bring it to this nonprofit and give to all these people that are so generously giving of their time. Uh, that was my first indication that actually, you know, we have a responsibility when we're in business leadership to give back. And there's so many different ways to give back because there's lots of people giving. And if we join forces with other people that are giving, we can make a profound impact. So Shannon, when you talk about generosity, I worked in between like really talented, professional volunteers in Canada that had a passion for international development and improving quality of life. They ran campaigns, they, they did events to raise money for programs that the organization was delivering in like rural Mozambique, in Afghanistan, in the mountainous regions of Pakistan, where people are struggling. So people that these Canadian professionals will never, ever meet in their entire life, they were putting in full-time hours running events and campaigns to help these people in these communities and villages. Now, I got a chance to go to some of these villages in my work. And there I saw people, like regular people, you know, 20-year-old people that had no money, that were struggling, and they were so generous in giving their time to other people in their community to teach them this skill. So I saw this life chain of generosity from individuals in Canada raising money, working hard to run events and campaigns, all the way through to individuals in rural parts of Africa and Asia that were giving generously to their community. But these were all connected. And, and Shannon, 
I got to be in the middle of it. That is truly remarkable. And I'm curious, what do you think was the reason why? What do you think was the catalyst or the motivator for these people on all levels to be so engaged in this reciprocity ring? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. There's different reasons for different people. Everybody's got a different motivation. And I'll give you a range of things that I witnessed. For some, I could see that it was a desire for human connection. It was they wanted to be able to work with other people like them that cared about similar things and be part of a community of people that was giving and caring. So that was what they wanted. Others wanted greater meaning from their life. So a bank manager that looked, looked after loans wanted something bigger to contribute to. And so for them, that was the motivation to be involved with this because somehow through a little bit of effort, they can go out and make an impact on some. For others, it was, I want to build a brand in my company as being a good human being, right? And so it starts off from perhaps a selfish career-oriented place, but in the process, they get transformed and they see the impact of what they're doing. And for some, I think of the parents whose children got involved. It was all about setting an example for their children about what it means to be a global citizen and caring more caring more about the other than you care about yourself. And, uh, and so different motivations for different people, but it all came from a really great human place. Mm. And I love the way that you describe it as a life chain of generosity, that ripple effect, that law of human nature to be compassionate and generous. So tell me more about that. What is your experience of it? That's a really important one uh, because one of the, my, my jobs there when I was in that organization was to uh, stimulate more corporate engagement. And so we used to do, uh, you know, we do these interviews and focus groups with young people saying, why is this important? Why is this valuable? We did this research that found that a huge percentage of employees are actually disengaged in their work. And when you pull underneath the surface of what that is, it's because they come out of university with this ambition to make a difference in the world. Then they get this job. And about two or three years in, they, they said, what happened to that person that wanted to change the world? Here I am now working in this company doing analytics or doing marketing or doing this thing. And so they lose that connection. And so we would come in as an organization and say, you can do that and still be that person you wanted to be. And so then what we would do is organize kind of workplace engagement, workplace teams and we saw those individuals, we, I watched individuals over my eight years there go from just being an entry employee in a marketing department to embracing this, becoming a team captain for this workplace team for the charity. And you would see them rise in the organization. They would grow in position. They would grow in networks. They would get more responsibility. So in a corporate setting, this opportunity to demonstrate your values to practice skills that you wouldn't necessarily practice in your job, to get recognition as being a really remarkable human being and a caring human being actually ends up resulting in those types of people climbing the ranks. And once they're in leadership roles, they're now setting an example for others. So it's a ripple effect over time of the impact of this generosity turns into a stronger culture with better leaders that care are value-centered, and that can only uh, make a positive impact on a culture. I'm curious about your motivation. Like, we spoke about what was under the hood or what we've recognized as some of the reasons why some people would be so activated by this. What about you? What drew you to this organization? 
Well, I mean, the organization is, um, uh, I mean, their core central belief is that to improve people's quality of life, you don't give them things. You don't give them tangible things. You don't give them money. You don't give them a job. You actually, um, this organization believes that what you need to do is believe that everybody's capable and everybody has hope within them. But sometimes what they need is that spark. That spark, which might be, let's teach them something, let's introduce them to a new idea, let's create the conditions by which they can help each other, let's show them a different way. And that really resonated with my own belief about human development and capacity building, is that nobody, nobody wants handouts. Nobody wants to be told, come to us every day and we'll give you four bucks for your groceries today. People want to lift themselves up. And this organization really did believe that and actually manifested it in in that. And then that was part of it. And the other part of it was just the way they facilitated people from all over the world here in Canada with people over there building these connections. Uh, That drew me in. Ultimately, I think my reason to leave corporate to take that job came from this feeling of I didn't feel like I was doing enough for the world. Uh, While I enjoyed my work, Um, and I really got a lot of satisfaction from the things I was learning in my work, there was part of me that felt like I wasn't doing enough. So that opened me up to volunteering. And that was a lot of the volunteers get involved because they feel like they love their work, but they want to do more. And so that's what opened me up, and that just somehow led to this path where I ended up doing it for a living as well, combining the two. Uh, So that drew me in. But, you know, you asked an important question. It's the why. That's a question that I really encourage more people to spend time thinking about what is their why. And there's been lots of conversations about that. For me, the moment came as I was doing a bit of self-exploration in a coaching course, actually. And uh, I won't go into the details of the process, but I landed on this question around what inspires me, what brings me energy. And after a series of reflections, I got to the place where I felt I felt at greatest energy and joy when I'm able to impact somebody And I'm then able to observe them impacting somebody else. And then I'm able to observe that person impacting somebody else. That is a very rare circumstance. But when you are able to witness that, like there's no greater uh, boost of energy and joy and feeling of I matter. And so then that became my, my mental construct of my purpose. Even if I can't see it happen, to know that I'm playing a role in creating a ripple effect um, is what keeps me going and keeps me motivated. And in fact, that is the logo for for my uh, my my coaching and leadership company is a is a, a stylized drop in a ripple. Uh, and the visualization that I have is that we all want to be drops and create ripples. But the world is volatile. The oceans are rough. But even though the oceans are rough, you can't really create a ripple in a rough, volatile ocean. But by practicing principles like generosity, we can still make an impact even in rough waters. So that's kind of my my existence, my reason for existence and my premise. There's so much in what you said there. Thank you for sharing that context and your journey and discovery, because I think that's something that all of us are curious about few of us are clear about. So I think that's something also very generous is that not just giving people the bottom line, like the answer to the question, but rather the space to explore their 
wonderings and their insights and try to help them to come up with the answer themselves so that they are equipped, right? Absolutely. I think that's it. I think giving them the the space to do that, giving them the confidence to do that, I think is a, a tremendous gift to give somebody. I think the, the greatest gift you can give somebody that's trying to find their path is a really good, powerful question. I love collecting questions, developing questions, and it's actually not very easy to do it on a, on a regular basis. But I do think that when you ask somebody a question that allows them to uh, ex- explore the corners of their mind, to draw out something that they already know deeply, but you bring it to the surface for them and you help them come up with their own answer, there's no greater gift, right? And you can draw on those questions to help people kind of come to terms with their own capability and their own potential. That's a really powerful gift. When we come back, Shaquille will share with us some real examples of powerful questions and ways to engage with others. Introducing the brand new QuadPod Podcast Network. At QuadPod, we have a variety of podcasts that are as unique as you. Visit QODPOD.com. The QuadPod Podcast Network. That's QODPOD.com. And we're back with more from Shaquille Barmal, teacher, mentor, coach, and CEO of Ocean Blue Strategic Advisors. So what's an example of a question like that? Yeah, oh, that's that. That's a great question. So, um, and again, depends on the context. But let's say, for example, you've got uh, you're dealing with an employee that is struggling with some some uh, task or a challenge in front of them. Um, you know, you might ask a question like, "Has there been an experience in the past where you've been uh, where you've been challenged with something? Tell me more about that experience." And, you know, we've all had experiences where we face challenges, but we've overcome them. So asking somebody to imagine a situation in the past where they overcame a challenge is a gift of helping them realize, you know what, you're right. I can, I can do this. A follow-up question might be, so let's say you are successful at overcoming this challenge. What would that look like? Having them visualize and talk about what overcoming the challenge would look like, would feel like, starts building their confidence that they can do it, that they have a picture in their mind of what it looks like. Those are a couple of, couple of examples of questions. Excellent questions. You're giving them the opportunity to think about something that they may not have thought about. They were thinking about the moment that they're in, and you're helping them to expand their perspective. So you've made it clear that you don't give to get. You, your your intent is not for your own gain and that you know you know you're you're very wholehearted in your interest in being a generous leader but the fact is as you've described with this reciprocity that we do get so what are some of the returns on generosity in your experience yeah i know it's really great that you you mentioned that it's something that i've actually come to terms with right i've always liked to see myself as the person as the person who doesn't give to get but you've had a couple of great conversations on my own podcast where I've kind of come to this realization that actually that is not true. It's not true that I, I, I don't give to get because ultimately the giving is the get. The feeling, the um, growth, 
the impact that you experience when you give is actually the thing that you get back. It's the validation that you matter. It's the validation that um, you can contribute something to somebody else's life. That in itself is the get. So that for me is the return on it. Uh, another way of looking at it um, is, and I can't remember where I heard this this phrase, but the idea is that when you are that drop and that ripple and you are actually contributing your time and energy to help somebody else, actually what happens is the change in you is much greater than the change in the other person, right? So you take this to a corporate perspective, right? Corporations are focused on, you know, trying to be more sustainable, um, uh, impacting people's lives, uh, addressing climate change, LGBTQ issues, things that contribute to the society. But when they put those initiatives in place, maybe they're doing it to check boxes, maybe. But in the process of mobilizing their organization and people to make that change in society, what's happening is they're actually changing their own culture. They're changing their own culture because they're building new practices, processes. They're describing themselves differently. They're attracting different kinds of employees that are attracted to those things they're doing. And that's all culture changing. Back to that simple, simple fundamental. When we try to help and impact others, it's ourselves that we're actually changing. So I think that to me is the, is the, is the idea, you know, um, uh, another concept around that is you don't give from a place of charity or uh, a place of philanthropy. Actually, you give from a place of self-fulfillment. I give to become who I am supposed to be. Not because this person needs something from me. Right? Uh, when you look at things that way, it changes, yes. it changes the game. Oh my gosh, that is so profound that it's who we're meant to be. It's the role we are assigned to play, right? That we are playing a part that's essential and that, you know, we have to get in the game to make that ripple. And I also love how you said it like boomerangs back to us because then we were reminded it's not about us. That's so important. So one of your favorite quotes is, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change by Wayne Dyer. Tell me more about that. Oh, I, I love that one because it, 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 it is the simplest form of our ability to make an impact in the world, right? You know, you don't have to get up in the morning and start a movement or raise a million dollars or, uh, you know, invent a new technology, you can change the world just by changing your perspective on things, uh, by changing the way you look at other people, by instead of looking at the world from a perspective of what matters to me and looking at the world from a perspective of my own values and my own um, uh, needs, but instead looking at the world from the perspective of other people's views, their own values, and figure out a way that I can help you achieve that. And it might not be based on the product or service I sell. It might be based on knowledge, capability, or relationship I have. But once you do that, it changes the way that customer looks at you. And by changing the way that customer looks at you as not being self-serving, at some point, that customer is going to buy from you because they trust you. 
So you just change the game from being a person that is seen as a schlepper of a product or a service that's out there just to make a commission to actually being an individual that's there to help the person that they're interacting with. You actually change the problem. Mm, That's so interesting, Shaquille, to think of it like that and to translate that into leadership and that the individuals who work with us, who we're responsible to, we could look at them as brains and hands, people who can capably get something done, right? Uh, On time and under budget, ideally, right? So I think by offering podcasts like yours and mine, we're we're attempting to give some food for thought and how we could get there faster, right? We could we could start to practice servant leadership and see how it evolves and, you know, make mistakes along the way, but really, you know, be kind to ourselves and the individuals that we work with. I think that's so important. So what are some resources that our listeners could access that can enable them to learn more about the work that you're doing, Shaquille? Oh, thank you for thank you for asking that. Well, so I started by writing a series of blogs. So on my personal website, ShaquilleBarmel.com, uh, I've got a series of blogs uh, that start with the first one, Nostalgia, a Powerful Teacher. And you can read how I have uh, interpreted my, ha- my past from childhood, probably up to my early university years. Um, but from a perspective of, here are some things I've read that helped me think about this life experience differently. And here's what I learned from that life experience. So if you want to have that exposure, you can go to my website and see that uh, as a way, as a helpful mechanism. And then I've got a few different articles around growth mindset and learning and growth and leader character on my business website, which is Ocean Blue Strategic. It's a long name, oceanbluestrategic.com. Uh, and that's another place to to learn more about me. And of course, my podcast, which is everywhere, everywhere you find podcasts, the Navigating Disruption podcast. And what is the intent and purpose of the Navigating Disruption podcast? The idea of that podcast is to interview other people, other leaders that are on that same journey, to f- trying to find ways to make an impact despite the uncertainty around us. So we have these great conversations with leaders. You've been a guest and we had a great conversation. Um, and I also dive into using nostalgia a little bit. So I ask people to to uh, share a bit of their life story about where their inspiration have, has come from. And I like that to share that with my listeners. But I also get a lot of um, satisfaction from the fact that when I ask those questions of my guest, I actually take them on their own personal journey. Yes. Oh. That's incredible. I mean, it just shows what a subject matter expert you are on this topic, that just off the top of your mind, you could think of those things. And I think we can all agree, connection, contribution, mattering, it's its what makes us human. So thank you for investing your precious time with us and sharing your wisdom with us. And I need you to know how much you matter, Shaquille. Oh, thank you, Shannon. I really, really enjoyed getting to know you. I'm very grateful for that. Thank you and have a great day. You too. Our OG takeaway tip, how to apply what we've learned to our own work and lives. Shaquille reminds us of the importance of asking high quality questions. How aware are you of the quality of the questions that you ask? Think about it for a second. If you were to audit the quality of the questions that you asked yesterday, how would you rate yourself? 
Most of us have no idea how we would rate ourselves because we're not really intentional about the quality of the questions that we're asking. Until today, you may not have acknowledged the value of asking quality questions. Let's look at an example of someone being late for a meeting. You could ask, why were you late? Or you could ask, what happened this morning? Both questions are seeking to understand the reason why the person was late. The first question will likely make the person feel judged. The second seeks to understand. What's the difference? Why questions tend to make people feel interrogated or shameful. Why were you late this morning? What or how questions seek to understand, for the most part. What happened this morning allows the person who was late to feel like you care. The question has some greater curiosity strength. Now, what, how questions aren't always quality, like what's wrong with you or how could you be so ignorant? Let's pay closer attention to the quality of the questions that you're asking yourself and others. When you're talking to yourself and asking questions, be on guard against judgmental and harsh questions. Why can't I? Why didn't I? Why haven't I? Why do I? Why don't I? Instead, work on improving the quality of those questions. How will I? How can I learn from this? What will motivate me to? What is causing me to? What am I learning about the reasons why I'm not? What, how questions. Practice using them this week with yourself and others. Join us next week for Jerry Wan, a storyteller, brand builder, and community leader, and the founder and CEO of Just Like Media. Until next week, stay generous, everyone. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.